Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Mark Blunden and this is The Leader. Our pound sterling can be traced back to Anglo-Saxon times around the year 600. Now nearly a millennium and a half later, could the humble quid in your pocket be going digital? The British government's talking about minting a new virtual version of our national currency. Andrew Griffith, Economic Secretary to the Treasury, tells the Treasury Select Committee that looking into how it might all work. So could you soon no longer be holding folding? China's also pushing ahead with piloting a digital UN and the European Central Bank is studying a virtual euro and asked about British plans. Professor Alastair Milner, a finance expert at Loughborough University, is somewhat sceptical. And the government's keen to identify new opportunities, especially post-Brexit. And, and the whole area of cryptocurrencies and digital money seems like something very exciting, which might be a, a win for the UK. But actually, the details haven't really been thought through. So I think in practice, this, we're not quite sure what this is going to amount to. So let's find out what the implications would be for cash and privacy. To unpick what all this means for your bank balance, the Leader Podcast is joined by Brett Scott, a former city broker and author of Cloud Money, Cash Cards, Crypto, and The War for Our Wallets. Brett, what is The War for Our Wallets? Many people, when they're thinking about the British pound, often imagine it that, that it's a single currency. You think it's, a, it's one type of money, but actually the monetary system, the pound system, is made made up of several different players who are issuing different types of money. So the one that people most often think about is cash, which is actually issued by the state. It's issued by the central bank and t- treasury. But the money that you're using when you're, for example, tapping your contactless card is not actually issued by the state. It's a second type of money issued by the banking sector. You might want to think about that as being a bit like digital casino chips being issued by the banking sector. It's a kind of a secondary form of money linked back to the first. And actually what we're looking at when we're seeing seeing these discussions around things like cashless society, for example, often what you're seeing is a power shift towards the banking sector away from the state. And all these different players are competing 
in a sense, for your wallets, essentially. So what's the government looking into? They're actually not proposing anything particularly concrete. Like many governments right now, they make quite vague statements about what's called CBDC, so Central Bank Digital Currency, and also stable coins. And these are two entirely different things, but they're often sort of spoken about at the same time because they're comparatively new entrants to the debate around money. But what um, Andrew Griffith has been basically saying is that the UK government is starting to consider issuing a central bank digital currency. If you want to think about a central bank digital currency, it would, little be, it would be a little bit like cash, essentially digital money issued by the state. Now, bear in mind right now, the only form of digital money we can actually use is issued by the banking sector. It's not issued by the state. So if you've got a Barclays account and you're busy tapping your card, you're using a Barclays issued form of money. So the debate around CBDC is, should you be essentially be able to use central bank money in digital form? And that is a big concern to the banking sector. Players like Barclays, Santander, HSBC hate CBDC because it would compete with what they offer. Um, But he's also talking about what he calls a sort of a wholesale stable coin, which is actually not not something that the government would be issuing. It would be issued by a third-party private player. If you want to think about what stable coins are, they're basically like PayPal. If you have a PayPal account, you are essentially a kind of a a third-party tier form of money that's kind of built on top of the banking sector. So it's two ideas. Two ideas, yes. And basically what he's saying is it's easier to get a third party private sector player to issue a new stable coin than it is for the central bank, the government um, institution to issue a CBDC. It's less politically controversial. A stable coin is much less controversial because it it wouldn't involve the state competing with the private sector. Is it like Bitcoin? Yeah, it's in a completely different category to something like Bitcoin. There shouldn't even be spoken about in the same the same sentence really bear in mind what bitcoin is bitcoin is a kind of digital collectible that can be bought and sold for money people basically buy bitcoin with pounds and they sort of hold it and they try to they can maybe swap it for other things but they, in general they're going to buy it with pounds and then later attempt to resell it for pounds whereas a stable coin although it has the same sort of like coin name is actually very very different as i said it's much more like paypal and if you think about paypal you're never trying to buy a paypal unit to resell it it basically is considered to be money because it is uh, backed by bank deposits which in turn are backed by partially backed by government government money if you, if you think about the monetary system you've got to think about these sort of chains of sort of chips linked together. So a stable coin would actually be locked into the existing monetary system, whereas something like Bitcoin really isn't. It's something that's traded um, for money. Do you think there's demand for it? Whether there's actually public demand for this, I mean, there could be. I mean, bear in mind that the vast majority of, mo- of, of money that people are already using is digital. You know, when you're using your contactless card, that is digital currency. You're already using digital currency when you're, when you're doing that. You're using bank-issued t- t- digital currency. And the question becomes, would a person prefer to use, for example, a type of digital money issued by a company like Circle, which is the company that issues USDC, which is a US, a US dollar stable coin? Let's go to the ads coming up. Digital money risk, the future of cash, and who's still writing checks? Why not hit rate and follow in the meantime? 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Brett, would a future virtual pound be risky at all? Well, if we're talking about a stable coin, it's going to be potentially riskier in the sense that bear in mind bank deposits, which is kind of a confusing term, where you should really think about bank deposits as being bank-issued digital casino chips. That's often how I think about it. These units that we use that are issued out by the banking sector. Those are backed by deposit insurance, which means if the bank goes bankrupt, you can claim government money back. The government will reimburse you. It's a bit like if you're holding a casino chip and the casino goes bust and and the the government comes in and says, don't worry, we'll give you your cash back. That's what you have with deposit insurance with the banking sector. Whereas stable coins, as far as I understand, don't have deposit insurance right now, which means if you're holding a stable coin and the stable coin provider goes bust, the stable coin issuer goes bust, you wouldn't necessarily get that back. But there are, are other advantages to the stable coin world. For example, you might not need to have a stable address, or it might be easier to sort of transfer it across borders. And this is the kind of the policy questions that are being discussed in the parliament right now. Does cash have a future? Well, I'm a, a sort of very vocal proponent for maintaining the strength of the cash system. I often call cash the public bicycle system of payments in contrast to the bank payment system, which you might consider to be the private Uber of payments. Often my, you know, I'll point out that much like you don't want your entire transport system under the control of Uber, you don't want your entire payment system under the control of big tech and big finance, all right, even if you might find it convenient. So the cash system is very, very important for maintaining a balance of power in the payment system. And many people actually prefer cash. The main issue, though, is that there's been a huge, uh, let's call it a propaganda war against cash for decades now by the digital payments industry, which is underpinned by the banking sector. So the public has often internalized this idea that cash will die, but it's actually not obvious that it will. And I suppose despite the convenience of digital money, there's many people who still like the tactile security of notes and coins. Actually, if you speak to many policymakers, they're very concerned about the decline of cash, because if you don't have access to cash, you have huge resilience problems for your monetary system. You know, the electricity goes down and suddenly you can't make any kind of payments for anything. Um, There's huge exclusion problems. It excludes all sorts of people. You have centralization of power in a a small number of institutions. You have surveillance and all these kinds of problems that emerge. So especially in a future where you'll see increased climate change, increased geopolitical risks from sort of cyber attacks, and also just increased digital burnout. I think people actually increasingly are realizing it's important to maintain these analog alternatives and systems. And finally, Brett, thanks very much for your time. What's your view on the lifespan of the humble checkbook? I mean, the checkbook is far more, is far weaker than the cash system. All right. So bear in mind what a check is. It's a, you know, a handwritten order to your bank asking them 
to transfer to another bank. Nowadays, most people send a digital order to their bank via their mobile phones or via the computer. So when it comes to bank transfers, which I earlier referred to as these bank issued casino chips, essentially, the checkbook is a quite an old, old school way of making those transfers. And I think it's under greater threat than something like the cash system. Because bear in mind, the cash system is an authentically different type of money to the digital system. So I think the checkbook probably is under a lot of threat, especially because banks want to automate everything. Bear in mind, there are corporations, they want to optimize profit, they want to automate everything. And if there's people who are using non-automated things, they want to basically force them to use automated things, which is what they'll slowly nudge you towards doing. There's much more news and features in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. We're back on Friday at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.